Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Do you ever think about what heaven is like? Either what it will be like when Jesus returns or even what heaven is like right now. Today, Pastor Nicole is continuing our series called The Hope of Heaven, and we're discovering just what heaven is, what it isn't, and how our lives can be better now because of it. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. This morning, we are continuing our series on the hope of heaven. And we're going to be talking about heaven uh, for the next four weeks. And so uh, we actually purchased some small books. You might have seen them last week called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And inside of them is an invitation to church. So what I'd love for you to do is take one of these Get it into the hands of somebody in your life who you think needs to hear about heaven or maybe doesn't know a lot about heaven and um, take them this book that has some information in it and invite them to church these next few weeks. You can find these at the Next Step Center right when you walk out today. You can take a few and um, give them to some friends or family or neighbors and ask them to come to church with you in these next few weeks. So last week, we talked about how in the beginning... Heaven and earth were entirely overlapped, okay? They existed completely together as one. And we talked about how uh, what happened was when Adam and Eve decided to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, they disobeyed God, and that split heaven and earth, if you remember. And so, and so we were completely two different domains. This was God's domain. This was our domain where we were trying to be in charge and not doing that great of a job doing it. And, and we were split. But we talked about how the entire message of the Bible, the entire message of Christianity, is that God is working to re-put uh, heaven and earth back together. That God is working to bring heaven and earth back to overlap again. And we talked about how there were times when heaven and earth overlap, when heaven came down and touched the earth. And I urged you last week to pay attention to the spaces and the places that God's kingdom was visible on earth. And we prayed together to be an army of God, pulling down heaven, advancing the kingdom of God, advancing the mission, and what a great mission that was. And so today I want to pick up right from there, and I want to start in 1 Thessalonians. Um, now, 1 Thessalonians was written uh, by a guy named Paul, and the author was sensing that some people were concerned. They had some fear. They had some anxiety about their loved ones who had died. They had some questions. And you see, in that culture at that time, uh, the people did, had very little faith. They didn't have any faith, and so they had no hope for after death. Um, they just thought that that was the end. And so they were very worried about the people that they love. And when Paul said, listen, the truth is that Jesus rose from the dead and that he was resurrected. And that means as believers, we can have that same experience too. Uh, people in the city mocked him. They did not want to believe it. And there was a lot of tension. Uh, they believed that the doctrine of the resurrection was foolish, impossible even. And so it's with that kind of backdrop, we're reading this passage, okay? So here it goes, 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So Paul says, look, he describes those who have fallen asleep um, in this particular phraseology, and he's saying sleep is a common figure of speech for death. 
Now, it's really important to note that in the New Testament, it's used only in reference to believers who have died. It does not use in reference to those who aren't following Jesus. But uh, sleeping is actually a metaphor to, for believers who have died to suggest that death of a Christ follower is like sleep, okay? Now, here's how. Um, when your body sleeps, you still exist, right? I mean, you don't, when your body sleeps, you still exist. So as a Christian, we know that death does not mean we cease to exist, that the grave is more like a bed for our physical body. We know there is more after death. Also, when we sleep, the immaterial part of us functions because we dream. How many of you are big dreamers? You dream a lot. You have a lot of dreams. Okay, some people are, some people aren't. But we know that you are still, when you're sleeping, your mind, your subconscious is still very active. So in the same way, after death, the believer's soul and the spirit are awake. They're enjoying the presence of God. And maybe the most uh, stark um, metaphoric moment here is another way sleep is a metaphor for death because it's temporary. Uh, that alarm goes off every morning, ready or not, right? That sleep is temporary. You go to sleep temporarily, and eventually you wake up. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, this figure of speech, me saying that the people that have, are dead before you, they're asleep, anticipates resurrection. It's temporary. It, it's not going to be like that forever, okay? So let's keep going in verse 15. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever, and therefore encourage one another with these words. Now, I love that because this gives us a little bit of a timeline of how things are going to unfold. So some of you who are like, hey, listen, I need to know. <laughs> Jesus gives us a little glimpse of what's going to happen here. We talked about last week, one glorious day, heaven and earth will be re reunited finally again, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's coming for us. That will actually happen. And the moment that that new heaven and new earth are ready for us, the scripture says this is what's going to happen. On the day and the hour that only God knows, on that day, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And he, in a loud voice, will call all of those who have died as Christ followers. So the ones that are already dead, that are, are dead in Christ, and they will rise first. And for the rest of us, if we are still alive when this event happens, we will get caught up in the air with the Lord, meeting the people who we have loved and we have lost, and we will all be with the Lord forever. Isn't that exciting? That's what's going to happen. That's what you have to look forward to. And what I love about this truth is it's a win-win for us. Okay? It's a win-win for us. We can live and look for and long in this promise coming of the Lord. We can live and look for it as we're alive. You know, the Lord may come back in our generation. It might happen. You might be alive when the Lord comes back, and then you get to go up in the air and not even ever, ever experience physical death and meet the people in the air who are dead in Christ to go up to the Lord forever. That might happen. But if Jesus does not come back when we're alive, if we die before we should not be afraid of death. Because if death comes first, 
We can be confident of the resurrection that we will experience at Christ's return. And this is what we call the blessed hope. It's this moment where we realize no matter what, we are being resurrected. No matter what, when Jesus comes again and he blows the trumpet, we're either coming from the grave or we're coming from wherever we are when we're alive. And this is what we call the blessed hope of heaven, that we know that will happen. And we believe Jesus will come again, and believers will end up in a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so with that, I love that passage. It gives us some information, but that leaves us with a question. And I wonder if you've ever thought of this question, or maybe once you read this, maybe even this morning as I read this passage to you. And the question is, okay, so we know that people are dead or dying, we're all going to die, uh, and there's a new heaven and a new earth coming, but what about right here, like, what's happening here? Where do people go when they die now? Where did all the people go that died before today? If the new heaven and the new earth isn't ready yet, if God is still preparing that, and we're waiting for this moment to be caught up in the air with the Lord and have resurrected bodies, what's happening in the meantime? Anyone ever say, yeah, I've thought about that before. Like, what happens when they have fallen asleep in Christ? Where are they now? Well, I want to explain that in this way. Um, the first year that Joel and I were married, in 2004, we moved to Washington, D.C. And we're both from here in Erie. In fact, we're from the county. And so that big city was a shock to us in a lot of ways. Um, did you know, actually, I had to pay to park to go into the grocery store. Like, I was already spending money in the parking lot before I even got into the store. That was such a, I was like, you're kidding me. This can't be, we, in Wattsburg, we just park on the grass, okay? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Uh, if somebody told me they lived four miles away, I thought in my mind that's about five minutes. It took us 40 minutes to go four miles away. It was a big city shock. One of the biggest learning curves for me was the subway, okay? And, and they call it the metro. I'm gonna show you a picture of this map. Now, natives who lived there, or those of you from bigger cities, hop on and off the subway, the metro with great confidence and ease. They knew where they were going. It was no stress at all. But this country girl over here had quite a bit of anxiety. I mean, even the map is confusing. Come on, somebody with me. Like, what is happening here? Where, where do I get on? What do I do? And on the metro, what I learned is there were stops along the way. You have to stop at DuPont Circle to get to Tenley Town, which is where the whole food store was. And since I was a Schreiber, we frequented that often, okay? And so you had to stop at these places. Similarly, when a Christian dies, he or she enters into what is referred to in theology as the intermediate state or the present heaven. And it's this transitional period between life on earth and the future resurrection of the new city. Okay, theologians call it the present heaven. It's this transitional period, it's this transitional state of which we go while we're waiting for the new heaven and the new earth. It's like a metro stop along the way to our final destination the new earth. And this intermediate state is temporary. It's not our final destination. It will be a wonderful place, but it's not the place we were made for. It's not the place that God is taking us to live forever as a resurrected earth, as a resurrected being. Now, I want to clarify something with you. Uh, there's this concept called purgatory that could be confused with this present heaven. 
And uh, purgatory is this idea that souls uh, go there after physical death to undergo purification. So basically, uh, it's, it's a place to get ready for heaven. It's believed that you are, go there and you finish paying the debt for your sins you've performed. It kind of like a temporary punishment uh, because you had some sins that needed to be worked off before you go to heaven. This is not the metaphor of a subway that I'm intending to communicate, okay? The Bible is very clear. I don't believe the Bible uh, describes anything like purgatory. What the Bible says is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, the cross redeemed all your sin once and for all. And when you die, you get on the train to heaven, and there's no more work to be done. The train won't ever turn around. It won't take you to the wrong stop by accident. There is nothing left to purify. So what I'm saying is this present heaven is just a stop on a train on a way that you're going to get to the new heaven and the new earth. There's nothing else to be paid. Jesus did it all in that moment, but we are getting on the train to heaven, and God is stopping on one stop on the way there. Okay, that's what the present heaven is. Now, in the present heaven, we will be in Christ's presence. We will be joyful. We will be looking forward to bodily resurrection. We will be looking forward to permanent relocation to the new earth. And we will await the time of Christ's return to earth, which is when our bodies will be resurrected and we will experience the final judgment. And all the great redemptive promises of God will find their ultimate fulfillment in the new heaven and the new earth. So I do want to bring to you a, a moment in the New Testament. You might say to me, okay, Pastor Nicole, I understand this. Can you show me it in the scripture? And I love when you ask that question because I would love to show you. All right, so there's this moment when Jesus, uh, during the crucifixion, and if you might remember this story, Jesus is on the cross, and there's a thief next to him on the cross, and they're having a conversation. And, um, the, and, and obviously it must have been loud enough to hear because uh, someone wrote it down. And the cross, the scripture shows us the conversation, and I want to bring to you kind of the climax of the conversation in Luke 23, 42 through 43, the thief is speaking, and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him and says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus doesn't say, eventually I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. See you then. He doesn't say, uh, okay, I'll consider it. He says, yes, you put your faith in me. I'm dying on the cross for your sins to be forgiven. And today, the day of his death, he will be with him in paradise. Now, Jesus must have been referring to the present heaven because the new heaven and the new earth isn't ready yet. In 1 Thessalonians, it says when it's ready, he's going to come down with the trumpet, okay? So that's not what was happening. So it must have been this present heaven, and Jesus calls it paradise. Now, interestingly, the word paradise comes from a Persian word that means enclosed garden, a walled park. What have we been talking about that's an enclosed garden? Last week, the Garden of Eden. He actually calls it paradise. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word paradise is actually the word used to describe the Garden of Eden. And we are told after the fall of Adam and Eve that God said, look, you can't live in the garden anymore. You have to live on the east side. You no longer have access to this garden. But it was guarded by a cherubim with a living sword. That's how um, God, God set forth this guard so that the, the people wouldn't come in. But the Bible never says that the Garden of Eden was destroyed. What was destroyed was mankind's ability to live in the, in the Garden of Eden. And so some theologians believe 
That there is no indication that Eden was stripped of its physicality or transformed into a spiritual place. It was an actual garden. There's no indication. We never see it being destroyed. We never see anything changing about it. And some theologians believe that the garden of Eden is the present heaven. That the thing that we know about, the description of what the, the scripture tells us about the Garden of Eden is where people are right now in the paradise of God. We know in Revelation 2.7, it says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that fascinating? We don't know for sure. But wouldn't it be amazing if the people right now who have fallen asleep in Christ, you know where they are? In the Garden of Eden. And that, that Garden of Eden is going to be transferred right in the middle of the new earth and the new heaven when God decides that it's time. All right, I just have a little bit more for you. Do you want to know more about the present heaven this morning? All right, uh, hang with me here a few more minutes. One more passage that I think just shows us so much, just a glimpse of the present heaven is Revelation 6, 9 through 11. And uh, John is speaking at this moment, and he actually had a vision. He had a dream of heaven, and he's telling us about it. And we can read it in Revelation 6, verse 9. It says, when he, meaning Jesus, opened a fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and their sisters, were killed just as they had been. Now, just a couple verses here, but we can really see a couple things about the present heaven. First, um, these people in heaven were the same ones killed for Christ on earth. They were the same ones. That means there is continuity between our identity on earth and our identity in heaven. We don't become completely different people. We don't become a different person. We don't start over. God doesn't hit the buzzer and we start all from scratch again. And we don't become angels, okay? We are the same person, but... The scripture says in Hebrews 12, 23, we are a righteous man made perfect. It's like the perfect version of ourselves that we are there. And these people are the same people. So we see there's continuity there. Another thing that strikes me in verse 10, they ask God a question. How many of you have a question you want to ask God? Okay, there's going to be a moment, it looks like. They ask God a question, and they say, how long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge their blood? In the present heaven, we are free to ask God questions. We, we have an audience. We, we will be so close to the Lord that we can ask him questions about what we want to know. Another thing in verse 10 that just got me excited is it appears that these martyrs remembered their lives on earth. At least they remembered they were murdered for the gospel. And I wouldn't be surprised if we will remember more in heaven than we do on earth. That our, our minds are renewed. And so we will probably, maybe even be able to see where God and the angels intervened. We'll be able to see that supernatural layer of things. We'll be able to, to remember the things that happened on earth that we didn't even realize. Verse 10 brings up another interesting point. They're asking this question to God, uh, but somehow they know 
that those people who killed them had not been judged yet. Somehow they know that. And this shows us that people in the present heaven must know what's happening on earth, at least on some level. They knew that, that those people hadn't been judged yet. And so they have some understanding, some indication of what's happening here. And maybe this morning, uh, that gives you some hope or some perspective. If you've lost a loved one and you just wish they were here to know about this awesome thing that's happening in your life, or you wish that they were here to meet your, your last child, or you wish that they could see you now, do you know what? The scripture says that they have some indication of what's happening here. In Revelation 19, uh, it actually gives this description that the saints in heaven are shouting hallelujah. And why are they doing that? Because things are happening on earth. Like they are celebrating in heaven what's happening in earth. So they must know, they must be able to see what's happening here. And this shows us that the saints in heaven are clearly able to observe what's happening on earth. You know, people on earth might be ignorant of heaven, but heaven is not ignorant of earth. Heaven is not ignorant of earth. Now a question that I've asked myself and maybe you have too, is if people in heaven see earth and all the mess that we've made it, uh, will it grieve their heart? Like, will it make them unhappy? Because there isn't always great things to see on earth, right? Maybe you've even made a mistake in your life and, and you're kind of, oh, geez, pastor, this really blew me up because I was hoping that they didn't know, you know, what I did. Will it ruin heaven for them? And I don't have all the answers to that, but I think the short answer is this. Heaven is going to be so good that nothing anyone could see on earth would ruin heaven for them. When you are in the presence of God, you are fully joyful, fully secure, fully sure of God's goodness and God's sovereignty, and nothing you could see on earth could make you wonder if God was still in charge. And so I believe that, that God will show us those things. So we're going to end today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. First uh, Thessalonians 4.13, right where we started where it says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. The scripture does talk about how mankind has no hope without a relationship with Jesus. And all of this good news is waiting for us at the end of our life if we follow Jesus. But if you don't believe in Jesus, it's a different end to the story. But if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, rose again in three days, and ascended into heaven to rule and to reign, these promises are for you. And if you aren't sure, you're, maybe you're not secure in your relationship with Jesus, you're not sure what you're, if you're on the train to heaven, I want you to do something about that today. After service, I'm going to be standing down here. I would love to talk to you and some other pastors. Don't roll the dice on this. Like, we know the promises of God if we're followers of Jesus. We know this to be sure, but you need to make a decision to get on the train. Like, you need to make a decision to say that I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to trust him. And this morning, if you've lost someone you love and they had a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you that parting is not the end of the relationship. This is only an interruption 
And from what we learned today, potentially only an interruption for you, not for them, because they can still see what's happening on earth. They can still encourage you. They can still pray for you. They can still cheer you on as they watch you fulfill bringing kingdom, the kingdom of God to earth. I love that the verse 17 in this First Thessalonians, it says, we will all be with the Lord forever. Isn't that a great word? We, we will all be with the Lord forever. And I'm so thankful for a gracious and loving God who just allows this reunion with those people that we have loved and we have lost. So we're just gonna end service today by taking communion together. I asked Jamie if she would lead us this morning. And so if you wanna get out your elements. Good morning. I thank you, Pastor Nicole, for allowing me to share communion with my brothers and sisters and citizens of heaven this morning. If you don't have elements, you can, be, you can find them in the back of the church. as I shared with the first service, um, been studying for weeks and seeking the Lord and what he would have me to say and taking notes and paying attention and tuning in. And this morning as I was leaving, I said, okay, Lord, I've got all of this information. I have a little bit of time. What would you like me to share with your people? And he said, I'll let you know when you get up there. So this is a word directly from the Lord. And as we partake together in communion, and as I was listening to Pastor Nicole's message and I'm seeking God and I'm saying, what do you want to say? I got the mic. What do you want to say to your people? And he very simply just wanted each of us to remember, but this is not a tradition that we do the first Sunday of each month. We can do this as often as we would like to, as often as the Spirit would prompt us to, to remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that this is a physical symbol of his body that was broken for each of us that believe for healing, for salvation, and that he had to go so that we could partake in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide. He wants us to be a real thing to you, to each of us, to me a nourishment for our spirits today. And as each of us have set our clocks back, my stomach is grumbling. Maybe you can hear it through the mic. But my spirit hungers for what only God and only the Spirit can give me. And so as we partake together, he asks us to release our preconceived notions of, of what this is really about and ask the Spirit to give us revelation and that we would respond to that revelation. And so partake with me, please, brothers and sisters, citizens of heaven, the, the bread that represents the body of Christ. And the grape juice that represents the blood that is shed for us that we no longer have to pay for any of our sins. Thank you for blessing each and every one of us. Thank you for your word. 
I thank you for each young person that was brought up here and dedicated and prophesied over Heavenly Father. And as the Spirit commands right now in this moment that we should respond. If you believe in everything that was spoken over you today and you receive it, if everybody could just say on the count of three, I believe. One, two, three. One more time for the Holy Spirit. That's kind of weak. One, two, three. And one more time. One, two, three. Got you. I believe. Amen. listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.